What road are we on, Paul? I'm not giving out my address, Sanya. Are you out of your mind? Happiness Road. Her- no, this is the <laughs> worst start ever. I mean, I know I like my cringy sentences and etc. But that that's the cringiest thing I've ever said. That's what happens when I just stare at you. At, yeah, at and it's like, oh my God, quick, say something. And don't say anything. So yes, you're feeling on the spot. Is that recording? Is the gain okay? And it, uh, yes. I didn't know if I bumped don't, it. Don't, don't worry. Okay. I sorted it out. It wasn't okay, but I sorted it out. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's yeah, right. Let's hope it records. ADHD tax. Um, yeah, happiness is the road. We started last week talking about the road to happiness is the road and now we are on the road this honestly we have descended onto the actual tarmac of the road we are on the road everyone do you know what i thought when i first heard the title on the road again no just sing don't listen to me and don't give me an opportunity to explain or anything just you just sing over me that's fine you do that no one cares what i've got to hear they want to hear you singing on this marillion podcast Feels like I'm 29 years old again. I'm going to continue and ignore you. And okay. if it needs to be, ignore you for the remainder of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> just to let you know. Well, how would that work? Would I just talk and you'd talk over me? Look, I control or... the edit. I can just mute your mic. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine if you release that? And it's just every every time... It was my turn to speak. There was just silence. So as I was saying 10 minutes ago. <laughs> That's so as not true. I was true. saying 10 minutes ago. That's so not true. Do you know true. what I thought when I first heard the title? You thought. I'm just going to tell you because no, you're not going to come up with anything. Uh, no, I was going to say you thought her penis was the road. No, I didn't think that. I thought that recently and subsequent times since reading that on a review. Right. I thought, oh, they've written an album about touring. Uh, you know, I thought, oh, they've done a whole album, like, not because obviously the Leavers didn't exist, but I thought, oh, that's going to be a bit kind of, uh, you know, a bit, uh, we can't relate to that. It's like rock stars singing about being a rock star. I didn't realise that the implication was, you know, it's not about the journey or the no, destination. It is, it is about, about the, the journey. journey. It's about the destination. Um, no, it's not. Oh, I don't know. I'm... <laughs> Because someone spent the morning faffing, I'm hungry. <laughs> it's my lunchtime. Oh, God, you should have And eaten. I've got to get this edited today because we're off to see Wakanda forever this afternoon. Oh, no. I, I have limited time. If thanks I'd have for, seen the time, I Thanks for dragging eat. your heels. We're already I late giving this to our heels. patrons. I was doing stuff. www.patreon.com slash Mr. Biffo. You're not even listening to I me, I didn't hear you? what you said. I was plugging our Patreon. But before you... I said, I'm already late giving this to our patrons. Oh, now I feel bad that you're hungry. Can we just continue, please? Okay. This is a, one of the worst starts, if not the worst start to an episode yeah, you've ever the, had. The fish. Um, okay, nothing will ever top ten minutes of fish puns. <laughs> that was that was a bad start. That was a bad start. We've had a bad start to the day, everyone, because uh, yeah, at five a.m. Thank our cat again. For that. Just Tanya, bloody hell! Can I get a single sentence out today? I'm sorry. My God, we'll never get through this ep if I don't get a sentence out. You're really out of control. Okay, go. I'm silent now. Go. We had a bad start to the day because our cat at 5am decided to bring in a dead mouse and he was growling and running around with it, wasn't he? Yeah, not as a gift to us. You know, everyone says, oh, the cats bring it in as a gift. No, not as a gift to us, as a toy for himself because he spent, I don't know how long, throwing it around running away from us with it and growling if anyone went anywhere near him. He's, he's so badass. So I mean, he, yeah. this this mouse was microscopic as well. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's such a wuss. Thinks he's like, oh, he comes in, oh, big man. Like, it's not, well, I've got, I'm the, I'm the hunter. This thing is like the size of my thumb. <laughs> anyway, right. <laughs> Cut to your thumb being the size of a fully grown man. Yes. <laughs> that would be a sight to behold. It would. It'll Imagine be hitch- hitchhiking around. with that. <laughs> there are two hitchhikers on the road up ahead. No, no, no. That's just one with another one that's a really huge thumb. How many people do you think are screaming at us now saying, get on with it? 
Oh, probably a lot. Probably, probably, look. Happiness is the road episode, oh, yeah. and we're starting it so badly. I know it was for shame. <laughs> right, so, 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 um, as we've established already, the album started as kind of part of the Summer Else sessions. They they'd written so much during that time, and they had leftovers as well from Marbles, some of which appear on this album. <gasps> oh, yeah, really? In slightly revamped form. Do you know which ones? Yes, we'll get to it as we go through. That's exciting. Um, and they they went to the studio, started to sort of think, oh, we, we ought to add to these seven songs that we've got that we're going to, you know, they did consider at one point releasing an album of these seven songs. But they thought, oh, it's not quite a full album, so let's write some more. And then it just started pouring out of them. They, they, and they had a new way of recording, which I think we touched upon, where Mike Hunter basically recorded the jams on multi-track. Yeah. So there's a fair bit on this album that is is either the first time they ever played it, or one of the first times. Wow. They didn't oh God, do. A, can you imagine how much work that is, though? Taking every bit of, not, is it footage? recorded footage and and you and you know going through it to find the bits that you want to use well they there all must talk about so much. They, they all talk about my hunter having this sort of encyclopedic knowledge of just remembering everything wow and he by all accounts they didn't do a lot of loops or overdubs or anything like that with this it was sort of a lot of it was recorded live in the studio which is all the more surprising given that it's such a lush sounding album um, you know, after the, the the very sort of dry sounding somewhere else, mm. it, it is like Mike Hunter went, all right, fine, fine then. Okay, <laughs> you didn't want that? Right, have this then. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is sonically such a rich album, I think. Yeah, it really is. Um, let me just uh, read a few bits and pieces because the band, during the making of it, uh, obviously with a gun to their head by uh, Lucy, I'm assuming, were forced to kind of give updates from the studio in a kind of blog. Uh, so you get get them sort of talking, you know, oh, at one point, I don't know, there was a mouse in the studio. And stuff. I wonder <laughs> but, if our cat had visited them. Yeah, but occasionally they, uh, they do discuss um, the process. Um, do they, have they done that since? I think that's pretty much how they do it now. You know, that's that. This was the start of them really kind of embracing that way of working. You know, still the jamming, but but Mike taking those pieces of of music and putting them into some sort of structure. Oh no, I meant have they done the updates from the studio oh. since? Like, <laughs> what about the mouse? Because you're worried about the mouse. Is no, that... <laughs> no, no, just curious. Um, no, because I think, you know, famously getting Marillion to do anything in any organised kind of way is a nightmare. But they did do in the last, like before this most recent album came out, they, they had a lot of um, YouTube videos yes every that, week which was we'd nice. have a youtube video which oh. felt like a bit of an update from the studio what was interesting were the the little hints of things that either changed or didn't go anywhere um so for instance on the 25th of january 2008 mark said as i write this h is adding a vocal to a song called grin and bear it so either that was a working title oh. or it's a song that we never heard. Someone needs to ask H that. And yeah. sure, if you're listening, ask him. Um, and in that post, that was the time that we first heard that they were going to be doing an album that was a concept album, effectively. As Mark right. said, at the risk of being called a liar sometime in the future, I can tell you that volume one is taking shape as a theme. It could even turn out to be one continuous piece a la Brave. Uh, and volume two, which obviously we're not covering yet. Um, will consist of all the songs that don't fit in with the theme, as we have quite a few that don't. Uh, Mark said, I've written and recorded a piano piece at home that I'm hoping it will make onto volume two. I think it ended up on volume one. I think that's liquidity. Oh. Uh, Pete, get this, Pete has mm -hmm. also written a song at home, music and lyrics. Which one? Well, I don't know of no. any song on there with lyrics by Pete. No, don't say that. 
Yeah, there's no songs on there about like taking lemon drizzle cake round to his neighbour. Oh. I think you find it's banana bread. Um. Okay. All right, so yes, it's H that loves lemon drizzle cake. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm not forgetting the band's favourite cakes. Yeah, long. Paul. <sighs> um. Then oh, wow. Steve R said another time, I've been recording guitars on a new track, Planet Marzipan. I think this album is a huge sonic improvement on Summer Else. So that's interesting whether Rothers mm. thought that or whether that was damage control because of the reaction to Summer Else. Yeah, I wonder what he meant by that. Uh, like yeah. if he thinks his musical contribution was improved or whether he was talking about the production well he says interestingly in this update as well he said um i've been using my adrenaline pedal again today it's my probably my favorite bit of gear to use at this stage of recording now noticeably on this album rother's guitar sound is very different is a lot of that it's the sound that i generally don't like because it sounds like strangled cats even on volume one well haha this is what i was going to say i for me the nadir of that sound is asylum satellite number one but when it's used in volume one mm. on essence, I actually really like it. Mm. You know, it's still all like, when I went back to listen to it, I went, wow, actually that sound is all over volume one as well. But somehow it's more bedded in. Mm. I'm, I'm, I'd have to listen to it with that in mind because I'm not really 100% sure what you're talking about, like what the sound is that you mean. Mm. Okay. I think I get it, but. <laughs> It certainly didn't stand out in Volume 1 as a jarring experience. I really loved the guitar on Volume 1. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm only saying that because I haven't properly listened to Volume 2 yet. So here's an update from H on 30th of April 2008. Um, work goes on apace at the Racket Club. Pete showed up with a sketch of backing vocals for Nothing Fills the Hole, which is about as near to Marvin Gaye as, as we're ever likely to get. So Pete's responsible for that. Well, backing vocals. Oh. Um, uh, digital technology allows us to take entire sections of music and whiz them about from one end of the song to the other in case it makes more musical or lyrical sense that way round. Very handy because sometimes it's just too hard to imagine these things. You have to hear them. So we've been doing a little of this and then we've been in the studio trying to write new chords for a more cinematic section of the song. We've decided we're happy with the new idea, so Pete is currently in the control room putting some new bass on the song. Would that be Woke Up? Are we still talking about... I'm assuming we're talking Nothing Fills the Hole as well there. I don't know. They also said... I don't know who this quote is attributed to, um, but they said it meant the, this way of recording, that if we came up with a great idea while jamming on a particular day, it was already recorded, and all that recording could be dropped into the finished master track, which is what happened on more than one occasion. Or we could use the drums from a particular day's recording if we felt they were better than another take. Same goes for keys, bass and guitar. This made the process of writing and recording quicker than on previous albums. I mean, it didn't stay quicker, did it? <laughs> it got slower and slower. Uh, and having heard some of the results, we took off on a particularly creative spurt and reluctant to stop the writing process. It me this meant we have far too much material to put on a single CD, hence the double. Oh, and also as well, Rothers said, this is an interview in Classic Rock. I thought this was interesting. Um, he said that the, there's a big technical difference in, in that it's the first time they recorded at a high bit rate or sample rate, 24-bit, 96 kilohertz. Apparently it's quite a subtle difference, but there's a crispness that you get, especially at high frequencies. Um, I think Mike did a really good job. He's a brilliant engineer, and a lot of the credit for the record has to go to him from an engineering point of view. We were always in a state of recording when we were doing the writing for this record. So if something happened in the room that was great, then it was possible to use on the record. One of the most difficult things is if you've got an idea and you've got it demoed as a stereo file and then trying to recreate these subtle nuances and grooves, even sometimes the sound that you use is never quite the same. So the more of the original magic you can use, the better. Hmm. Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about those moments as we go through that are basically the original jam. Okay. There's one very famous one uh, mm. on there that's, you know, well, you wouldn't think it, but it was. Oh. Um, so. Curious. So this album. Yes. 
mark the end of one chapter in H's life and the start of another. That's how it feels to me. Yeah. It it really feels like... New beginnings. It's a new beginning, but it's also kind of reflecting on... If you look at... If you look at the, all these albums as a kind of journey, I sort of see somewhere else as hitting rock bottom. Mm. Somewhere else felt like it was an ending, like at yeah. the end of an era. Yeah. And Happiness is the Road definitely feels like a new beginning. Yeah, but it also feels like the point at which he went, I need help. Um, oh. You know, and, you know, there's no, there's no point pretending that this is sort of couched in H pretending to be another character or another person. He's he's admitted as much mm. as as to where the inspiration for this came from, which, as most of you who are listening to this probably know, uh, it came from, well, well, let's just, let's just take it from H himself, shall we? Um, as he said, and this interview was with uh, music players, whatever the hell that is, but I found it online. He said, I went to see a doctor on the last tour in the Netherlands because I was having big problems in my head and I was very emotionally stressed, very on the edge. I had a lot of stuff going on in my life. My marriage fell to bits and the death of my father, all those things. And I was beating myself up over not being able to live with my children. And also I was really kind of neglecting myself. I wasn't really eating. I was living more or less on Beck's beer and not much in the way of solid food while sleeping on a bus and screaming my head off for two and a half hours a night. My body started to rebel and I got ill and I had to keep on the road. Even sometimes on the show days, I was having surgery. They were trying to keep me in one piece. And I went to see a doctor and he was a surgeon and he put some stitches in me. And then after he held his hands over my stomach and he performed some kind of Reiki healing on me and he began to cry. Tears began to pour down his face and I was watching this and afterwards he said to me, you're in immense pain and you're carrying a lot of guilt and regret and your pain made me cry. He said, those are your tears, they're not mine. And he said, I'm going to write you a prescription. So he took out his prescription pad and he wrote the name of a book on the prescription, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And he said, you should read this, it, you will, it will make you better. So he tore off the prescription pad, this Dutch guy, and I bought the book and read it. And interestingly enough, what was in the book was everything, really. I already knew. I felt it instinctively. So it really knocked me over because everything it was saying, help if I hadn't just clicked away from the quote, because everything it was saying was what I already knew in my bones. I just never really had the feelings crystallised into words and been given a framework. Essentially, the book is about the fact that our minds control us now and we all feel that we are our minds and we're not. We're not our minds. We're a being. We're a living being and our mind is actually a tool like our hands and our fingers and our toes and our legs. Instead of using our minds to do what they can do, which is massively wide ranging, we get into this thing where particularly in the West, we identify with our minds totally and our minds control us all the time. And maybe that is what forces us to obsess on the future and all the past while never really looking at and celebrating the present moment. And that's a kind of insanity because the past plainly doesn't exist. It's still going on in the mind. It's a bunch of memories. And the future doesn't exist because it hasn't happened and it, can't be, it can be anything. And so to exist in the present moment with all the baggage of your past or by worrying about where you're going or what's going to happen is plainly insane. But if you spend your time reliving inside those worries and don't actually think, well, have I got a problem right now? Right this moment, right this second. The answer is never always know that you haven't got a problem in the present moment because you can always fake something in the present moment. So no good worrying about 10 years down the line or one year or even next week. You can prepare for it, but don't obsess on it and don't make your life a misery with it. Wow. So it felt like that book or whatever yeah. was a turning point for H. Yeah. Okay, well, I mean, he said everything for us. We don't have to do this podcast. Done. That, no, there you go. There's volume one. <laughs> well, this was, this was something that did concern me when approaching this album because pretty much all the songs mm. are on the same topic and theme. Uh, in fact, I even read, I've got a quote from a web magazine interview where H said all the songs on, it, on volume one are about the same thing but coming at them from different angles, effectively. Mm. It is, you know, truly an album with an overriding theme. And so I struggled a bit when I was writing my notes for it because I struggled to say, oh, what's this one about? Because they are all essentially the same thing. Mm. Uh, 
often perhaps at different stages in his journey, mm. you know, to, to healing and growth and growing out of this darkness. But it's sort of, it's not like I'm kind of looking at the lyrics. They're quite plain. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean, they're... they're Straightforward. They're straightforward. They're not hidden in sort of layers of, of what, oh, I wonder what this is about. You know, oh, what's he singing about here? I get it. You know, each yeah. song you kind of go, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, which is great for what is effectively the power of now uh, the musical. You know, you don't, yeah. <laughs> you don't want it buried beneath sort of layers of, of, obtuse metaphor and mm. and so on but i know you've you want it to lot, be simple and easy to access yes yeah but you've written a lot haven't you and you've well, read the book i wouldn't say i've written a lot well, you read you read the damn book i read the book and the I, I listened to the book mainly but i did also get a paper copy because i was in the works and it was on sale for half price so i was like okay why not and it, it was actually really handy having it as a paper copy um it did come at the perfect time in my life because of what we have been going through the last few months with your dad being in hospital first and then passing away. And it was perfect timing. Like, it was so comforting. It was really, really comforting mm. having that book to read and listen to. Funnily enough... Um and particularly listened to it over the last week, I really felt the same way, but about the album. About the album as well. Yeah, the songs it have... This album has come at the perfect time in our life, I feel. Yeah. It's, it's like the soundtrack to this period and it fits so perfectly. Mm. And what is interesting is when he talks about in that quote then about his dad dying. Yeah. Um, and I believe, I really hope I don't, I haven't got this wrong because I, there was an interview with Mike Hunter that I, of course I've misplaced, um, that I put to one side because I said I need that for the episode. <laughs> but, um, oh no. Uh, I believe at, at one, at the point of, um, starting to record this album, H's mum died. Oh, you're um, joking. I, I believe. So, um, there's a lot of grief in this album. Yeah. Which surprised me because I'd never heard that before until now. Yeah. You just can't unhear it. Yeah. At, when you're kind of dealing with those kind of themes in your real life. And that, that surprised me because it was an element I, I really had never thought was there before. I thought this is just, you know, about old living in the moment and, you know, enjoying it. But actually, there's actually a lot of, yeah. Sort of uh, loss in there as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you know, because it's, it's obviously fresh on yours mind and my mind at the moment that, um, of course, that's going to jump out to us. But uh, weirdly, this album, far more than perhaps Care on An Hour Before It's Dark. Yeah. Because You're right. Care for yes. me feels like it's a song that. It's that, more global. It's more global and it's talking about kind of, you know, the people that helped during the pandemic and mm. it it doesn't necessarily feel like it's a song about loss. Mm. Uh, it's a song about death. It's yes. a song about dying. Uh, it's a song about dying from a personal perspective. It's not about losing someone, whereas there's a lot on this disc that is. Mm. Um, yeah, at least two songs on this first yeah. disc. Yeah, yeah. That are absolutely That's, about that. There were two that hit me particularly strongly when it comes to that theme. Yeah. Uh, so Dreamy Street. Yes. Uh, it's a little one. Yeah, a little tiny song. Little tiny song. Little intro song. Once you hear the fact that it sounds a bit like uh, the opening bars of the EastEnders theme music. Does it? Yeah, EastEnders are very popular British soap. It's quite difficult to unhear that. Oh, no. <laughs> Oh, now I need to listen to them side by side. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, interestingly, I've written in my notes, um, It's there's it has a gorgeous intro that almost sounds like there's bells tolling in the background. Yeah, that dong, There are bells dong. in EastEnders. Do you want me to just read you some quotes from the band about this? Yeah. Uh, yes, please. Um, this is this is one of those bits of music where they had all these little sort of instrumental bits left over that, they, that weren't part of songs. Oh. Uh, and I've got to say... 
that I love that they've done that in this. Right. Because when you listen to this as a whole, and this is a, an album that I think it's stronger as a whole than individually. You know, it's a real journey. Mm. And there's so much layering of sort of atmosphere and just giving musical moments a bit of space to breathe. And it was the sort of thing when it came out that I'd been wanting Meridian to do for years, you know, kind of just to hell with song structure, you know, stop trying to write a hit, stop trying to write a rock song, do what, what you do so well, which is create atmosphere and texture with melody uh, and just see where that takes you. The album that this most reminds me of, I think I may have said it last week, but it's, it's, well, it's Kate Bush's Hounds of Love, side one of, or is it side two of that, and Ariel, which, you know, where the music sort of just, it flows, but I mean, in a really sort of velvety kind of lovely way, you know, mm-hmm. sort of bits of music just drift in and out. Yeah. Uh, and it starts like that as well. You know, this this piano thing just sort of drifts in on these bells that you yeah. mentioned. Yes. Um, so there's not a lot to say about it musically, I suppose. It's just, mm. you know, an introduction to the album. Yes. I, I, I feel like um, the piano gives it quite a nostalgic feel. And I also love how... H makes you think that the song is about, this is at the beginning, H makes you think that the song is about to go all cinematic and epic, but instead it goes in the opposite direction into something really sparse and spacious. Mm. I love that about it. I love yeah. how sparse it is, this yeah. opening. It's almost, um, it's almost kind of chilly. It's kind of wintry, I find, oh. this piece of music. Yeah, I don't know. Winter is coming. Should we just jump onto the lyrics? All right, lyrics. Um, So my my interpretation then, as a first-time listener, uh, this is just a guess. Putting it out there, this is just a guess. Um, So I think, you know, right from the off, H mentions... That monkey inside of him. Well, there we go. Yeah. There's, there's there's a callback, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that monkey inside of me gone skulking away, leaving me seeing, being, seeing, being. I mean, does that connect to H themes from both past and future? Well, or does what? it ever? I know. You know, that, does it ever? Yeah. That, this idea that, that there's a duality in him and one of them is an animal. One or, of them but, is like... A wild animal. Yeah, gorilla. Yes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. exactly. Um, So it's it's that primitive part of us, right? Um, And but also in it, I kind of see connections with already with the power of now. Mm. um, Through I don't know if if he mentions it in the power of now, but it's definitely it often spoken about in Buddhism or people who do meditation, they talk about the monkey mind, you know, that part of us that doesn't shut up, you know, it just jumps from thing to thing, brings us fear and anxiety, craving, just jumps from thought to worry, to wanting, to problems and back again. It's that like restless mental energy that we've got inside us. Um, And what is interesting is that this song is kind of like setting the tone for the rest of volume one where H is saying he he set himself free from that monkey inside of him and was able to reach, or at least is striving for it, to reach that place where he's able to chill and relax and enjoy life and drink lemon tea. Yeah, which is kind of connected to the message that The Power of Now certainly does talk about is if you step away from that, monkey mind from that um identification with your monkey mind you can reach a place of spaciousness and freedom and being within yourself the lemon tea i found really interesting to mention i've said interesting about 50 times now um the the lemon tea i thought was a nice touch because i don't know if h meant it in this way but i could see a connection between him drinking lemon tea and like the old Buddhist Zen Buddhist tea ceremonies, because oh. like Zen monks would drink tea in order to be able to stay awake 
during long meditation sessions and then that became in itself a meditation like a mindfulness ceremony where you're really present in the moment doing something doing an everyday task so stirring the tea making the tea tasting the tea and you just bring yourself really into the present moment and I thought that was a really nice touch I don't know if he mentioned that intentionally or if it was accidental but uh, it was a lovely I mean that's that's a really lovely theory and I love that <laughs> but However, it's not it's not it <laughs> it's quite literal he went for breakfast with Ian Mosley's summer and wrote those lyrics based upon that well you bet but you see that was his subconscious mind connected to the subconscious mind yeah, of the zen buddhists go. knowing that you can find that presence and that that freedom from mental chaos by bringing yourself into the moment and enjoying what you're doing right now physically i didn't expect there to be so much to say about a song that's got about six words in it <laughs> thought we'd just skip over that <laughs> well you thought wrong i've got nothing more to say about it other than this just a little intro it's a lovely little intro lovely but little it, intro. it sets up the theme of volume one so perfectly it's saying i'm free now yes and then you know when we've often talked with memorabilia and do, uh, do their conceptual stuff we talk about how we often don't start in the present you know, or it's a flashback or it's, you know, and then then it feels like, you know, he then, we go into this train is my life, which feels like it's reflecting on the yes. journey that got into this point where he's free. Yes. Um, wow. That's really good observation. That's how it feels. He sat outside a cafe in the sun in mm. Bristol, as it turns out, where they were playing a gig uh, and has gone, shit. You know, I'm actually enjoying this moment. I can remember that happening to me. Really? Yeah. When I kind of started to sort of build myself up back together after very similar, um, you know, run of circumstances to H. Mm. Uh, I can remember I was I was going to a meeting and I I can't remember. It was in Hackney, I think. And I was early or was or something, or I had a second meeting to go to and I had a bit of time and I sat in this square in London and there was no one else around. And I just remember thinking, my God, I'm not worrying about anything. Wow. I must be fixing myself. What a moment. It was. It was a big moment. I really remember it. Um, and it felt like there was no longer this sort of white noise in my head. Mm. And the white noise was sort of worry and, you know, all that stuff that he talks about. Yeah. So are you ready to move on to This Train Is My Life? I choo choo choose This Train Is My Life Very as good. our next topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> good. Good one. <laughs> Simpsons <laughs> reference, like it. <laughs> monorail, right. monorail, monorail, monorail. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't get that. That's another Simpsons reference. Oh, Okay. Um, yeah, did you have anything you wanted to mention before oh, we began? Thank or you for the opportunity, just... Sanya. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm happy to start. Um, I'm trying to find that. I'm trying to separate H talking about what it's about to, uh, but apparently uh, this song dates back to Marbles. This is one of them. Oh, they had a, a thing called Train. Uh, right. And um, H said on the session... On this session, we had two different ideas for Train. We chucked one out quite early on in favour of the one we used. Steve R says it's one of my favourite songs on the record. It's got a lot of soul mm. and a guitar solo, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Steve, what are your favourite songs on each album? The ones with the longest guitar solos. Yeah. Uh, Pete said that particular version was actually pretty much played like that when we were jamming. I seem to remember that we didn't actually arrange it. Steve R added bits and pieces, but the main song, and then Mark says, the main song dot, 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 by the way. Right. Uh, and then Mark said, it did change quite a bit during recording. I wasn't so keen on it at the beginning, but by the end of it, I thought it was pretty good. H threw in some chord changes, because apparently he was a bit fed up with it just going round and round. Um, and then Mark talks about the Christmas light section to which H says, that wasn't in the jam, was it? We thought it would be nice to break it right down. Then the train on it was just fantastic and all the little tinkly sorts of sounds. Mm. Um, and apparently, get a load of this, 
the end section yes. dates back to Holidays in Eden. What? Yeah. The ooh, 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 that Apparently, yeah. Really? Yeah, although, well, that I say Holidays in Eden. Everyone. One of them says Holidays in Eden, another one says Brave. But, you know, yeah, apparently it goes back that far. But hang on, in, that, in those quotes, did you say that one of them said it didn't change from when they were recording it and another one said it changed so much? <laughs> it seems like it. The band don't know what's going on. They're going, oh, yeah, yeah, one of them did say that and then H was like, yeah, but then I'll put this bit in and put some chord changes in. Uh, brilliant. Oh, Marillion, never change. <laughs> then there's a Always qu- in agreement there's with a bit, each other. There's a quote later on on one of the songs, I can't remember which one, where Rother says, I really like the guitar on this one. <laughs> <It's> like- <laughs> Love it. Love it. <laughs> like, it's just brilliant. <laughs> Tell you what I like about this song, the guitar. <laughs> the guitar is epic on this one. Does anyone else agree? <laughs> it's probably the best thing about the song. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh. I um, it's taken me a long time to to really like this song. I remember having really? a really con- well, yeah. I when I first heard the album, and I loved the album. Mm. When I first heard it, I thought this was a bit ploddy and dreary. Right. However, I've heard it live a few times, and I always really like it live somehow. And then. Listen to it for the purposes of this, where I really tried to take this album because it was written sort of as a conceptual piece. I, I tried to sort of listen to it in the context of that mm. rather than as a song on its own. And it's it's a candidate for me when I sort of say, you know, this album is about the whole, you know, rather than yes. the individual pieces. And it absolutely works. Um, and I think, so, you know, having been sort of warmed up to hearing it live a few times and going back to it for this and going, this is just the start of the journey. Mm. I actually really love it. And I really like the guitar solo. That's an example of Rothers using his, his screechy sound, whatever it is, roto, pedal, whatever. Adrenaline pedal. I don't know. She says as if she knows. <laughs> yeah. do, do you mean, Paul, do you mean the, um, I think I think you mean the adrenaline pedal there, Yeah. <laughs> Don't ask me what it is. <laughs> Nor me. But yeah, uh, I actually like the guitar solo in it. And it's just got a nice... They capture that feeling of a train journey. Oh, yeah, they so do. They so do. I have to say, so the first time I listened to the, the this album after we'd done Somewhere Else, yeah, my first listen, when this train is my life started up, I actually got physical chills. Oh. It was, it was like, and I think it was in contrast with the the flat and compressed sound of somewhere else. Well, apparently it wasn't compressed. Oh, not compressed. Well, what was it? It was the it? opposite. They didn't put compressors on it. They kept the dynamics. The squashed sound of somewhere else. Whatever. You I can don't describe know. it however I you want to describe remember. it, but you didn't, let's face it, you didn't love the production on it as and you were not alone in that i didn't did, you know i loved the songs but it's not i loved the songs on somewhere else okay i enjoyed the album but when i came to this album particularly when this my train is my train my train when this is, train my train is my life <laughs> my train began, is my thoughts what <laughs> the train of my thoughts god almighty no one wants to hear that off the rails <laughs> aka off the rails um so particularly when this train is my life started and that epic sounding spaciousness and reverb and the mellow bass and the dreamy vocals all came to life it was just like it it really hit me with the contrast with the previous yeah. sound. It really is night and day, it, isn't it? Yeah. And it was like, oh, thank God. I think... <laughs> thank I, you, Mike Hunter. I think Mike Hunter had something to prove. And I think I'm he, glad he did. I'm glad he proved it. Yeah, but he also... <sighs> yeah, you know, as he has said on multiple occasions, as have the band, that somewhere else was, was a deliberate artistic choice. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, but by the same token... It doesn't change the fact that, you know, as artistic choices go, this one's a lot easier on the ears. This one, and I'm glad, but the thing is, I'm glad they made that choice with somewhere else because it really upped the contrast then mm. coming to happiness is the road and hearing that spaciousness and that the, it, it was just so 
next level. Yeah. It was so next level. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the whole album, but it hit me particularly with this song uh, because maybe the um, Dreamy Street was just a little bit simpler. Mm. But This Train Is My Life, it was like, wow. And then I love how the pace of the song really transmits a sense of movement and travelling. Um, and and all the rich layering throughout invokes mental images of city lights and flashing lights going past train windows and stuff like that. It's just like, I don't know, it's really, it feels like you're there on the train with them moving along. And of course, like the train sounds that they added in helped. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. And the way that the song builds energy towards the end, which gives it a sense of excitement. It's a very it's a very movement movement heavy. How do you how do you describe that? I don't know what you're trying to describe. <laughs> the song has such a song strong sense of movement in it. It the music yeah. the music fits perfectly with what it's about. Oh, I I completely agree. I mean, it, it's it's it, yeah that bit where it all drops away and you get the train coming in. Yeah, um, love it. Oh, I love it. Yeah, so the sound much. effects. The it, it's it builds to a really sort of lovely you know euphoric travel with me and we'll see. Yes, and it's very. It's a song that I wonder is is it metaphorical and literal as well? You, I no, know. I do think I do I think, think it's, it's literal as well. I it, do yeah. because he'd met Lynetta by this point. Don't yes. forget. So it's, it's it, it you know, and I think there's a there's also it starts out with a sort of sense of loneliness, you know, lyrically. Yeah, the the sense of you know a monotony almost. And funnily enough, H said this I think recently on his podcast about how the band are in a danger of taking their life for granted yeah yeah and they oh yeah. yeah okay i'm going to talk about that right, a bit okay but later. they've written the drudgery of touring it must be sort of soul destroying you're just seeing you know life whipping past in moments yeah other people's lives and you're just mm-hmm. like soaring through them yeah you're getting kind of fragments of of lives yeah and, and you're not getting to stay in any one place for there's, any time there's no real sense of connection with these places that you're flying through. Which comes to the power of now as well, doesn't it? And living in the moment and sort of, you know, or being in a place where he wasn't able to live in any moments. Mm, you know, he yeah. was he was heading into the future yes. the whole time. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's a really interesting lyric uh, and it's an underrated lyric because it, it's not sort of very clever in terms of sort of fancy words or wordplay or whatever, but... There's there's some really gorgeous kind of lines in there, like we're movie rich, we're reflected. In oh the yeah, window. I wanted to ask you about that because I couldn't quite figure out what that meant. We're movie rich. I think movie rich means we're just sort of vibrant and we're we're. Because I didn't know if it meant like we're living a lifestyle that would be depicted in the movies, like traveling the world or whatever, or well, but vibrant. Vib- but I, th- I yeah. see that in in that in the rest of the, the words around it were reflected in the window so people were seeing them go by you, you mm. know or they're looking back on themselves and seeing the light i don't know it's hard yeah. to say but the, the the dark nights black mirror glass distant lights from the wrong side of the tracks mm. um it it does feel like he's singing about the way his sort of life is is constantly transient fleeting yes. to other people yeah uh, but they will look at him and kind of go, "Wow!" or be dazzled by. Yes. It. But and yet, his he, it's not how he's feeling. Yeah, exactly. I found it interesting that there's there there seem to be a few songs like that where the the theme is traveling and touring. Like, and I found this song kind of similar to the Leavers. Yeah. Because it's got that kind of theme where we leave and we go and everyone else has their steady lives we've got these this kind of this transient passing through various places where other people seem to have like these steady towns steady towns well they've got you know (laughs) steady houses i live in one of them new steady towns that doesn't move (laughs) around like the old towns used to (laughs) 
Well, we were all nomadic at one point in history. (laughs) Yes, all right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, so like, it, it again, like the levers, it's kind of a song about traveling and touring and passing on by on the outskirts of other people's lives and how that is has become a, a quintessential part of his existence almost. It's also interesting, isn't it? How can you find your roots or how can you, yeah, how can you bed yourself in the present if you're constantly moving from one or yeah, you know, and often yeah. from one time zone to another? You know. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I wrote that was interesting is as he's passing through these places, each town he goes through and passing, passing people's real lives, he's sharing for a brief moment. He's sharing a point of a point in time with them as well as a point in space. But their lives are so different, which is why I love that those line that line that says parallel lives. Yeah. They, they're in the same space. They're so close to each other physically and yet their lives are so vastly different. Mm. Um, and I was curious about whether any part of this song was reflecting H's inner world. Like perhaps did he ever feel at the time like he was a passenger in his own life with worlds speeding past him too fast to make any kind of real connections and nothing to hold on to except the hand of whoever is with you, which is why the end is so beautiful when he's saying um, to not lose her grip, Mm. like don't lose your grip, hold on to my hand. Um, Like it's because he's going through this world so quickly. It's his companion who's with him on his trip. I didn't know if the song was about when I'm assuming Lynetta went on tour with him. So it was like having a companion there with him. Perhaps even the other bandmates, mm. they ground you in the present moment because I mean, I, they're, I, in, they're in the stillness with you. So it's like, hold my hand, don't lose your grip. I didn't know if it was quite as literal as someone coming on tour with him. I, th- I saw it more as like, come with me on this journey of life. You right. know, take my hand and join me in my journey. Yeah. So, you know, or it both, goes from... But it could be both. It could be both. But, yeah, I, I didn't... I thought it kind of... It's a song that sort of slips from uh, literal to sort of slightly more metaphorical as yeah. it goes on. Yeah. You know, I, you know, make some light in the darkness. And yes. It, it's... I said it to you yesterday, um, how, you know, no matter what, no one... Sorry, I'm going to say that I'm going to quote Meridian here, but, you know, the bastards can't take you and me away from each other. You know, however mm. tough life might get. Yeah. We still have, we'll always have that. Yes. You know, that light in the darkness. Yeah. Um, and how sometimes that's enough. And I'm wondering if it's kind of connected with, you know how you were say, you said something the other day, like if a tree falls in the forest and no one hears it, does it make a sound? So you were talking about making art and so, sort of saying, if you make art, but you no one sees it, what's yeah. the point? And I'm wondering if that's kind of similar in 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 this song where it's like if you're just travelling through these towns, travelling past other people's lives, but you don't have anyone to connect with anyone with mm. you to share it with, what's the, not what's the point? Because there is a point. There, you know, lots of people well, like travelling alone. Well, I think it's more that but, it's lonely, isn't it? Without, yeah. Without that. You know, it's lonely going through life without someone else. You know, sometimes it's lonely in a relationship. But But then some people do love it. Well, okay, yeah. We're talking from our perspective and H seems to be talking from, you know, a similar perspective. I guess everyone's different. I I love having someone to share life with. Me too. Something I don't get personally is my previous marriage was very different to this one. You know, we were very much sort of living separate lives, parallel lives, mm. you know, like the song says. Yeah. Um, you know, like kind of heading in the same direction, but we were doing our own stuff. We had our own stuff going on. We weren't really together for a long time. And that's lonely. Yeah, so maybe and it was the refer- same for me Maybe as there's well. a reference to that. Yeah, yeah, it was the same for you. I know it was. Um, but yeah, I think H is coming at it from the same sort of, way that I look at life is that it's it's better shared. Yeah, I mean, I um, still remember when I was younger and I went on a couple of, no, I went on, no, a couple of holidays alone. And 
then went on one with a friend and it was like, I don't ever want to travel alone again. I know loads of people love it. I know there are plenty of people out there who prefer to travel alone. It's great for them. For the kind of person that I am, in the same way that you prefer not to make art if other people aren't going to be able to see it, Mm. I prefer to have experiences about like at least travel experiences Mm. and life experiences if I can share it with someone because then you've got someone that you can bond with over it you can talk about those memories and sort of go oh Mm. do you remember when that happened blah 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 it just enriches it so much I mean everyone's different and someone some people don't have that I was gonna say luxury but well no I didn't for like half of my life yeah same Um, um and I really appreciate having it yeah yeah it just gives everything meaning and context for me sharing yeah a life and that's what this song feels like it feels like but it feels also like he had to get to a place where it was okay that he could you know it, it, the same way it's like when we met yeah i don't think i was ready before that or i was in a, a healthy enough place emotionally to make a relationship work. I just don't think I was. It's a bit chicken and egg thing because at the same time, you know, something that I sort of see as a big part of my journey was the start of our relationship and and how that, being in a loving, healthy relationship, the acceptance that was in that Mm. and and being loved by someone that I loved, Mm -hmm. that in itself is sort of nourishing and enriching. Mm. I don't know what I'm saying. I've gone off on one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you want me to read some stuff about it from H himself? Yes, please. Okay, then. It was literally me being on a train watching yeah. the towns go by. Stop reading stuff into it. So I got myself a, an Oyster card. <laughs> one I day. got myself a rail pass. <laughs> Three-month rail pass. Um the song came out of a train journey from Cologne to Amsterdam or Utrecht, he can't remember. We all got the train a few tours ago instead of driving. I scribbled that down during the journey. We were going through the stations so fast you couldn't tell what they were called. So that's what I meant when I say strobe stations. You know how you get that flickering light as you go through so you can't actually see where you are. I was thinking that my life is a bit like this. I've been to so many places at such speed I don't even know what they are called or whether I've actually been or not. That's what set off all that fast movement, feeling removed from everything as the train goes through, at the same time being so close yet so removed from it. The loneliness of houses and the lives you witness as you go past blocks of flats and things on trains. Yes, that's what I wanted to convey. You're so close to it, but you're so... Removed. Removed. He said, you think there's a life going on in there. The Christmas lights in the windows are because it was that time of year and those upturned Vs of electric candles that people have in Germany, which I just found intensely lonely in a strange way. Railway lines are usually in lonely parts of places, so all that at once. Mm. So there you go. Yeah, it is a song about exactly what we thought. We're we're clever. (laughs) (laughs) We're so clever. I think. Can I just also say one other quote that I, another, just another lyric that I loved in the song. Just want to say it for the sake of it. Sleeping towns joined together by the steel of the rails. Oh, that's just such a pretty way of putting it. Yeah, it's lovely. It's it's a lovely lyric and I really like it as a song now from the point that, because I can remember um, friends of ours, uh, Simon Clark and um, his girlfriend Vicky, who... Uh, used to be involved with the web. <laughs> I remember having a conversation with them after this album came out and they were raving about this train is my life. And I think Simon, I think the words he used was you can imagine this song. This is going to be one of those songs that Meridian play at every gig forever now. And I thought, I don't think it is. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't say it. I just went, yeah. Um, have they played it? There's a question. They don't, Do you remember I don't from? Know. I could look it up. Certainly, Stephanie. They don't play it a lot, but they have played it since. Did we get it in Hammersmith the other year, last year? Did we? I don't know. Anyway, um, regardless, they have played it because I, I, it's grown on me as the years have gone on. I've come to kind of go, this is one I would happily hear live, mm. even though I kind of went, it's a bit, a bit dreary. 
at first. Um, I really don't think. Not that if you're coming out. to it straight off the back of somewhere else. Well, Still, no offense to somewhere else, but content-wise, <laughs> but sound-wise. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's it's a great opening to the album. These two songs, "Dreamy Street" yeah. and "This Train Is My Life." I think it's a statement that that I mean, what a great idea as well. Though starting a journey of an album. With a literal journey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with a song about a journey. It's it's just masterful. And I'm kind of, I feel we should stop there because the next song's a biggie. Yeah. Uh, but it's difficult because I just want to go on about, and I'm just going to say it, how much I bloody love this album. Oh my God, me too. Like, I'm overwhelmed at how much I love it. And I feel almost sad when you say that they don't play songs from it no, very often. No. And I'm going to say, I'm hoping that that's just because they find it hard to split the songs apart because they all fit mm. together as a whole so perfectly. But this is one of my absolute favourite Marillion albums. I'm I'm so... I'm, I was going to save this comment for few further songs further down the line, but I'll just say it now. If you're listening to it this week... You're probably already doing this, but like listen to it with a good pair of headphones. Because this morning I was listening to it again on earbuds and it's not the same. Mm. And yesterday when I was listening to it or whenever I listen to it with like proper headphones over the ear headphones. it And you hear just how much detail is in it. How many layers are in it. And every time you listen, you hear something new. It's so lush and rich and complex that like... It intimidates me. Why? You're I not feel intimidated. It's so good. Oh. It's so good. Because it's like, how am I going to talk about this? Well, the other thing that I would say to people who are going to listen to it this week is listen to it in in its entirety, start to finish. Yes. Don't be doing something else. Really sit with it like you would Brave or Misplaced Child or yeah. something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. And For me, it's that- up there with Brave. Do you know what? It's really gone up in my estimation. And it's a shame about Volume 2 because I think Volume 2 just dragged it down in people's memories. It's seriously one of their best albums, Volume 1. And I would even dare to say it might even rank higher than Brave for me because there's not a duff song on there for me. No, there isn't. There isn't. Not in Volume 1. I haven't listened to Volume 2 on purpose because... You keep mentioning. That I wanted how it, yeah. I wanted good, this to be treated in its own terms. Yeah, I didn't want my opinion of the album as a whole, as Volume One and Volume Two. I didn't want it to be um, not as high, just in yeah. case. So I've only listened to Volume One so far, and it's just like it's phenomenal. I love it as much as I love the most recent albums. So good. Yeah, same. I, it, it has seriously gone up in my Meridian album rankings. Uh, I don't know what they are. I don't know what's at number one. I, don't, <laughs> I really don't anymore. But this is, it, it, it's deserving of a proper reevaluation by the fan base. Yeah. Because it, it, it it's the start of, for me, of an absolutely impeccable run of albums. Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, all right. You can say from Marbles onwards, somewhere else was a bit of a blip. It, and if you ignore volume two, <laughs> it's complicated. It's brilliant. It's complicated. Yeah. Um, but I mean, just just as a journey, as a whole, the album, that that when it kind of goes into that, you know, we should be saving this for the end. But I know. You know, when it goes into that sort of very deep, dark, dense bit in the middle and mm. then woke up begins. Yeah. It's just, it's cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, it's cinematic. And you know what? I've got the worst FOMO now because... Or not fear of missing out. FOMO with an H in it. F-O-H-M-O. Fear of having missed out. Because it's like, that's so not fair. I would love to see this album live Mm. from start to finish. I really, really, really feel sad that I didn't get to experience that when it came out. And I hope that one day Marillion choose to play it again from Mm. start to finish as a whole. Because it's it's just... Imagine listening to it live. Mm. Can you imagine that? Yeah. Oh, it's sublime. It's yeah, sublime. So look, we're going to leave it there for this week. Um, I know we've barely touched on the album itself. <laughs> <laughs> I got two songs. We've here. done what six minutes of, <laughs> of the album. Uh, 
just, you know, it is what it is. We did spend the first 10 minutes arguing. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. Uh, so on. Uh, so, look, we'll be back next week, hopefully, with part two. If uh, you like, you can subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review and tell people about us and all that uh you can support us on patreon www.patreon.com slash mr biffo when we get our asses into gear they get episodes early and sometimes bonus episodes there's loads there's about 30 on there um that's it oh i need to keep tagging them okay that's not really the time Sorry. to say that is it bloody hell oh no i'm like literally oh. you i can't edit that bit out because because oh, you said that over what I was saying. I you're, didn't realise that it had come out of my mouth instead of just staying in my where head. Where did you think it had come out of? <laughs> <laughs> right, on that bombshell, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.